Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Evan. This is Illiterate. My name is Taylor. And I read a book this week. I watched two movies. As you know, the world has changed. We are living in the midst of the coronavirus, COVID-19. So this week, we put things off. But we, we'd be remiss almost to not address just the, the situation that we're in. It's a global pandemic. So what's a better opportunity to go into pandemics in popular culture, media, and literature? How art and culture has been affected and has affected plagues and pandemics. What now, which are some of the top movies on streaming, which came out 20 years ago. (laughs) So I watched Outbreak, came out in 1995. It is now in the top 10 on Netflix. And then to answer that, I paired it with... Uh, Steven Soderbergh's Contagion 2011, which that has also just come up this week. It is, it's back into the yeah. top tens of just, uh, it's not streaming for free anywhere. I, I, you do have to rent it, but it is it is heavily, heavily, heavily rented right now. I, yeah. I, I, when I watched it, the next day I hung out with a friend and he said, no, we, we just all watched it last <laughs> night. Um, so, I, found on, I found via Warner Brothers, it was number 270 at the end of last year in terms of like their catalog yeah. of streaming movies. And now it's at number two. Whoa. Most streamed from them. Harry Potter still beats it out. <laughs> But uh, but that's insane. A movie from 2011. From an, a bird's eye view here, Outbreak, 1995, very movie, very much cinema. Mm-hmm. It has a beautiful, overstated 90s, elevated cinema feel to it. it kind it, of like Red Dawn. Exactly like Red Dawn. If this gives you any idea, it's directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who also did Air Force One, <laughs> Das Boot. <laughs> And the perfect storm. Right. So it's it is full on nineties, man. It is Wolfgang Peterson. If you've seen any of those other movies, exactly it's exactly the same. And Contagion is a way is way more contemporary, way yeah. more elegant, way more subtle. Uh, the the entire one. My favorite thing about it is you watch the disease spread just with camera movements. They're showing you how it's happening from from uh, from some of the first shots. They're showing you how it's moving before you're ever even aware, before any characters aware, before anybody. Yeah. Thinks. It's never said. It is all just visual storytelling, and they do that throughout the entire film, and it's hugely successful and and it, it is such a beautiful way to actually depict how these things spread yeah uh, which is a lot of it's the hardest thing kind of i mean about well and i, I like want to say yeah there, our, our take on this is not the doom and gloom of we're currently in this situation oh, no. and what what an apocalypse will be like like there is so life is going to change as many people already know and if you live in some uh, less affected areas uh, life is changing in the United States. San Francisco is, is is already under lockdown, much like the entire country of Italy uh, is under lockdown. Not lockdown is like you'll be arrested, like leaving <laughs> your house, but like lockdown is like go to the grocery store and please go home. Yeah. Uh, that the essential needs, those types of things. So that is starting here in the United States. Uh, at, at the end of last week, the uh, the the mayor of L.A. closed all of the all, uh, most businesses and bars and entertainment. Most of those things. Uh, actually, I live in Burbank and Burbank said, well, we're not L.A. cities proper. So <laughs> and by Sunday, uh, yeah. it was a countywide. And also uh, we're recording so this earlier. So if you're listening to this on Friday, anything could have happened in terms of your area and what is being closed down. This is a rolling basis. So we're in it with you. But. There's no reason. This isn't doom and gloom. Life is changing. But as we're going to get into, 
This has happened before. It's happened before, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it is not, this is not the end of the world. Things are going to change, but we've got to learn just how to accept it, how to re- how to respond to it, not react. Yeah, I had seen this thing where this this great motivational speaker that I like, he, he used to talk about how, you know, if somebody gives you some medicine and they say, oh, you're really reacting to this disease, that's a bad thing. But yeah. if they say, oh, you're responding to the medicine, that's a good thing. Yeah. So it's a good mental terminology. Are you reacting to a situation that's happening or are you responding to it? And we there's, just want to encourage people to respond to exactly. things. There's no reason to rush to the store and stock up for the rest of the year, or the rest of the month even. There's not a supply chain shortage when it comes to just groceries. Even at even when we if when we probably will be uh, most of the country will end up under under some sort of major lockdown. But you're still going to be able to go to the grocery store, go get your prescriptions, those types of things. But here, I mean, we're seeing it. We're seeing it as a, a declining basis here in LA. I mean, last night was uh, St. Patty's Day, and I don't, I didn't even realize it I, until yeah. this morning. I saw a picture of Patty's Pub on Hollywood Boulevard at. Time stamped at like ten forty four last night. Total ghost town. Absolutely eerie. I didn't even realize. Which is great. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. (laughs) Well, and if you've seen the news, there's a famous story going around about the pandemic that happened in 1918 in the United States. Two different cities, Philadelphia, which had some sort of a parade Uh that had two hundred thousand people out, and then St. Louis closed all churches, bars, restaurants big gatherings, schools, all of that stuff. And if you've seen the terminology by now of flattening the curve versus the giant spike in cases, Philadelphia had that giant spike in cases and St. Louis just had the slow, Uh, even number of cases over cross. And of course, because of that, then Philadelphia had way more deaths Mm. in regards to the the flu that happened in 1918. Uh, Also, I don't know, just a, a little thing, masks. The masks, if you don't have it or if you're not dealing with somebody that has it, you don't really need a mask and a mask isn't going to save you from perhaps getting it. You have receptors in your eyes that can pick this thing Mm -hmm. up. You have receptors all over your body that can pick this thing up. So if you don't have it or if you don't know, if you're not interacting with somebody who does have it, it's not necessary to go out and get a mask. It's not necessary to wear a mask in public, at least as of yet in a week. And that's part of the problem. We're, We're a little bit behind the buck of actually just knowing how far spread it is. We just don't know how many cases there are yet. We're not able to test yet. And that's the problem. We will get there, but it has been a, late, a latent response. Yeah. But we don't want to, I mean, you're hearing all this stuff on the news. We just want to say, we're in it with we're you. In it with you. We're here in Los Angeles. It's, get, we're it's buckling getting weird, down. <laughs> but this, I mean, this is a time to, to, again, think about how to respond, not react. This Our is jobs time- are gone. We're going to have to right. find other things. Like, you know, we're all in this together. And help if you if you're in a place where your work is steady and stable, help other people around you. Absolutely, you know, see see what people are needing. There might be people with with certain uh, certain you know conditions where they're not able to leave their house because of what's going on. You know, you never know. Uh, and there's certainly something you can do. And if there's not something you can do for somebody in your immediate vicinity, then you can do something for yourself. This is a perfect time to really broaden your own interests and empathy and compassion in any direction, really. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I've loved, uh, actually, over just over the weekend is, uh, is seeing people in Italy uh, foremost, but just uh, being joyous out mm-hmm. their windows with each other, just having like big you know, block wide <laughs> patio parties, everybody on their patio, just sharing and singing and playing instruments and stuff like that. 
that's a, a type of energy that is so beautiful and so rare. It has been such a blessing to me just to see something like that happen yeah. in the real world. I've it's seen, not an animation and dream. It's I've, happening. Yeah. I saw a sign somebody put up in my apartment complex up in the lobby saying, hey, my name is so-and-so, and if you're oh. elderly or need help getting groceries or this or that, this is my unit number. This is my- Oh, that's incredible. Th- you know, like I can help you run errands. You're seeing that more and more, even in what people might consider like Los Angeles, New York, giant, unfriendly- Yeah not lack of community cities, you kind of have to take it down to the apartment level yeah, yeah. and be like, okay, well, if somebody in our apartment complex gets it, let's all band together and Absolutely. figure out what we're going to do. Keep the lines of communication going. It's a good, this, and, and uh, this is where I want to end today, but this is a good unifier. This is a yeah. good, this is a good equalizer. This is going to yeah. help us rethink so many things. This well, we'll talk us, about, yeah, we'll yeah, talk about what wait. these things have done in history and whatnot, but on to what you watch, Contagion. Contagion. It centers around a fictitious disease called MEV1, inspired by the Neva virus. There was an outbreak, uh, the Nipah virus, in 1999. It killed over 100 humans, but it was primarily transferred through pigs. They had to execute over a million pigs to eradicate this disease. This disease depicted in Contagion that is inspired by Nipah had a, uh, an incubation period of only a few hours. That's the first instance of cinematic falderall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That doesn't exist in the real world. You're not going to see symptoms. You're not going to get sick, uh, at least for a day. A virus or a bacteria cannot spread that it does quickly not spread throughout that. your body. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's a little bit where I'm going to be kind of, kind of picking apart some of these diseases that we saw in, in some of these films that were- Or if you saw and, these and were horrified, this yeah. isn't how- the, the biggest thing, the most dangerous part about- uh, the coronavirus is that you may never show symptoms and be a co- complete infectious carrier of it. Hmm. Even if you do show symptoms, it could be as late as two weeks after the fact that you were actually contagious. So all that time, you could have been spreading it to everybody you were in contact with. That's really the big problem with the virus that w- is really spreading around the world right now. That's, like, it's, a, it's a smart virus in that sense because the, we- the weakness really of it yeah, the weakness of it allows it to spread versus like Ebola, which completely destroys somebody. But it's like, but then they have less time to get in contact with a bunch of people right. to spread it more. So I looked into it. Steven Soderbergh is the guy who directed this. Oh my God, another. Yet we another we <laughs> spread the coronavirus. We put the whole world, we've At risk. brought the whole world to a grinding halt just so we could review another Steven Soderbergh movie. <laughs> the writer, Scott Z. Burns. I didn't read any book that this was based off, but he did tons of research with scientists who have written books. Mm -hmm. So I read a lot of their Mm -hmm. articles and whatnot. One of the guys he met with was this guy, Larry Brilliant, which is a great last name. He was involved with the eradication of smallpox in the 60s. So he was a huge help in understanding. And this movie, scientists- How do you get your grip around something like this on a global level? How do you actually control it? This guy was leading the force on that for smallpox. People who are epidemiologists, which is just a disease scientist or doctor, really love this movie and they'll show it to their classes because it helps. Even though there are a lot of realistic inaccuracies in terms of the disease and the spread and whatnot, it does show a pretty good understanding in a lot of ways of what this looks like. Like you said, visually. Visual storytelling, how, showing you how this thing spreads just through touch or cough. Uh, mm-hmm. The entire movie, almost every scene is trying to show you something about transmission. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so elegantly con- contrived in that, in that way. 
A couple other people that he consulted with was Ian Lipkin, who was on the front lines of the SARS outbreak in Beijing in 2003. And I'll post a link. There's, there's, he's been in the media now recently too because he went to China for this coronavirus outbreak to study it as well. He's and then a, came back and he's was a in Banff, man. He's discovered over 400 viruses yeah. <laughs> on his own. The guy is crazy. And I think he was even on set for Contagion. The character that is played by Elliot Gould in Contagion is named Ian Sussman. And that's essentially who Ian Lipkin was in real life. That's a nod to him as the person because he contributed so much. And then the other big person, Tracy McNamara, is a veterinarian at the Bronx Zoo. And she helped discover the West Nile virus when that became a thing. So this movie has a ton of scientists. They spent... Months and months and months and months and months figuring no out joke. exactly what the science and medicine aspect of it was before turning it into a movie. If you've seen the film, the disease MEV1 is very similar to coronavirus in a couple ways in that it is primarily a respiratory disease and it spreads through touch and cough. Outbreak is a bit different, where contagion actually is showing you the spread of the disease on the ground floor, how it actually managed to transmit and transfer all over the world. Outbreak is a little bit different in terms of its point of view. It is a very, very omniscient film. Ultimately becomes about bioweapons and people trying to create an event to then profit off of it, which I thought is interesting. And it's a particular mindset. Conspiracy, that, yeah. globalization kind of stuff. What's happened over the last 30 years since the movie has come out is we've actually, I think we've we've been illuminated to the sense that perhaps it is when when events like this happen in the world, it's not so much that somebody made it happen, more so somebody saw an opportunity when disaster struck. Right. So I think that's where probably some dissonance will come with audiences now versus in the contagion in the contagion movie it is just natural means through unnatural exactly. circumstances exactly it just spreads and people are reacting in outbreak it is de- you realize that you've been towed along and it is it almost is like the company an alien <laughs> trying to get the creature back without yeah. telling the crew it's a bit like that it really is about like alien on on earth as you said, a big contrast to Contagion and a little bit, I think, I think it dates it just in the frame of mind right. that this that this film is is in. Thankfully, <laughs> it is also way over the top. This. OK, so uh, just for some perspective, the coronavirus we're dealing with has like a, a death rate of like two percent. Uh, the Contagion uh, MEV1 fictional microbe had a death rate of, it was like 20%, which is pretty, pretty high. high. When you think in real world terms, that's really high. Yeah. The mortality rate for the Motaba virus in Outbreak is 100%. It is a complete screenwriter fallacy. It is, it is pure cinema, as I like to call it. (laughs) Uh, To give you uh, some more context with that, Ebola's mortality rate was 20 to 90%, just depending on right. the, the case. That was that was particularly different. But even Ebola, something as crazy and as recent as that, is only 20 to 90%. And like I and said, that, that one is much extreme. harder. And that one is much harder to spread. Way harder to spread. Because it's not airborne and, yeah. A very different type of a disease than like the one that we are dealing with, the coronavirus or MEV1, the fictional one in Contagion. Outbreak really just takes it to the to the nines, man. Mm. This is this is military. This is Dustin Hoffman is an epidemiologist working for the military. He's like in 
camo for most of the movie for no reason. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. I'll post a link to a video I saw where is this epidemiologist or guy who works for the CDC or something, and he's reviewing pandemic movies and uh, their accuracy and he's just ripping outbreaks and shreds he's like so they just shook hands no literally that's the word that nobody would do that ever in a zone or he's just like oh he came in and then he ripped off his mask because they wanted to see. and then like oh in this room there's like here's some people who have masks some people who don't some people who are in full-on hazmat suits like there's no rhyme or reason to any oh of this God. stuff so that brings us to the book that i read which is called the hot zone and this is allegedly what the movie Outbreak is based on. Uh. The Hot Zone came out in 1994 by Richard Preston, who is a journalist. He is the only non-doctor to have received the Champion of Prevention Award from the CDC. Wow, really? He has done That's most fantastic. of his work has been journalism and nonfiction stuff in relation to health crises across the world. This is about the Ebola crisis and the various crises that happened over you know the 60s 70s 80s whatnot one real quick clarification the metaba virus in outbreak is also just 100 mortality and it's just incredibly violent and they very upfront in the film tell you how it just basically liquefies a human being it's quite vicious yeah and and, and cinematic but that is much closer to Ebola in real terms yeah. than it is to something like the coronavirus yeah. or even MEV1 in Contagion. So the first chapter of this book, The Hot Zone, is the original guy who's some French guy who unnamed in the in the book, and he go, show, goes in this elephant cave and I guess gets in touch with some bat guano poop and mm. contracts this thing. And Stephen King called the first chapter one of the most horrifying things I've read in my whole life. Oh my gosh. Because it's so graphic and so detailed about how this thing went down and how this virus affects you. Some people have accused him of doctoring it up a little bit, but in small ways of being like, well, it deteriorates your kidney. It doesn't liquefy it. Like little things like that. But it's like, overall, this is horrifying what it's doing and the way that he describes it in this journalistic way. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they they recently readapted this? So yeah, so the Hot Zone movie, Fox originally won the rights to the New Yorker article. The book hadn't been written yet. Oh. So he was expanding an article. Fox won the rights. Warner Brothers was like, oh, this is hot material. So Warner Brothers is the one that came up with Outbreak and released it quickly in 1995. Oh, wow. <sighs> right on, hot on the draw. Yeah. So the hot that's zone. That's why it's just so wild and crazy. <laughs> yeah. 100% mortality. So that's why they say it's kind of based on it, but they didn't have the rights to the book. And it's just because that was hot at the time. The Hot Zone, the original movie that Fox had, had Ridley Scott attached to it oh, wow. as the director, Robert Redford in it, and Jodie Foster. Wow. But over time, because Outbreak subsumed yeah, yeah. all of that energy, the people dropped, the whole project was never made. So the remake which you're referring to, was a National Geographic television miniseries that came out in May of last year. And Ridley Scott was the producer on that. Interesting. Okay, cool. I mean, there were other producers. No, but interesting that he kept with the story, that he kept with the property at all, because it could have passed so many different hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And films and and media definitely take on, like, we were talking about zombies and aliens tend to be the metaphorical versions of this that you see in a lot of of media. But I went through and looked at some other films that relate to pandemics, and either they're adapted from books or they just sit on their own. One of the earliest ones that I found, this guy, Ignaz Semmelweis, he- Hmm. 
He didn't understand germ theory at all, but he knew something was going on with this. He realized that childbed fever could be reduced, this is in Austria, by hand disinfecting, by washing your hands in 1847. He was completely shunned for this because he didn't understand it at all. Uh, But he knew that something, he was like, my patients are dying less after they're having kids when I wash my hands after doing the birth, you know, or before, like in all aspects of it. But he was shunned from the medical community for this. He had a nervous breakdown and was committed to an asylum where he was murdered by the guards. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Uh, A few years later, though, Louis Pasteur confirmed germ theory, and now he's regarded as like this unsung hero. So there was a short film that was made about washing your hands called That Mothers Might Live. This came out in 1938, and it won the Oscar at the 11th Academy Awards for Best Short Subject Film. Oh, that's fascinating. So he got regarded, uh, you know, almost 100 years later for that. But I I thought it was funny that, like, one of the first regarded pieces (laughs) of cinema is about washing your hands, which everybody should be doing. So that the mothers may survive. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Right after that, the very next year is kind of a B-movie, but now I guess it's regarded more, and it's called Pacific Liner, Mm. and it was about a stowaway on this ship who was infected with cholera, and it starts infecting all of the lower like peasant members in the the cabin, and they're trying to keep it in the workforce of the dudes that are shoveling coal and whatnot. Uh, It was nominated at the Oscars for Best Original Score. As oh, well, so that's yeah. what it was known for. But it was kind of a, a crappy B movie. But cholera was gotcha. huge at the time. I mean, cholera yeah. had been big from the 1800s. Do you know onward. anything about cholera? I don't know that I do. Yeah, so cholera is mostly transmitted through water supplies, through in- infection in in regards to like fecal matter ah. or some sort of contamination. A big situation that happened in, with cholera was in 1832 in Paris, killed 19,000 people. Wow, this created kind of a disconnect in the community because the There was a conspiracy that the king was poisoning the wells with arsenic. Like they knew it was something to do with the water, but they didn't didn't know necessarily what it was. And then that created revolution in Paris, which then created more deaths because of political conspiracy. But a thing that happened in England with cholera was in 1854 shortly after i mean this is like i said in the 1800s yeah, yeah, spreading yeah. all throughout europe all over the place this we guy doctor germs are yet. yeah this guy dr john snow also figured like hey this is happening somehow through the water so he decided to display neighborhood mortality data directly related to where the water pumps are in the city on this map oh, like tracking wow. who was doing what like tracking pennywise through the <laughs> exactly under- <laughs> so this I'll, I'll post a link to it cuz i thought it was fascinating how this revealed like, okay, well, there are more cases around this specific pump. So this is where most of the water is coming from. But like, he is the modern master of this data visualization because he presented this like, now we're all into it. Like there's a big Washington Post thing going around about like how to not spread. And and we're all looking like flatten the curve is based on like data and a graph that people just know about. But before this, the general public didn't even know what a line graph was or what a chart was or anything. And he's putting up- That's how well, okay, if you are are freaking out over this- this is how much better equipped we are now <laughs> than any other time an outbreak, a pandemic has happened in history, period. We are so much better seated to deal with this now. Yeah. Not that it's not serious and not that life isn't changing for us, but uh, we have so many benefits on our side. Yeah. So there's light at, at the end of this tunnel. Human ingenuity is there for us. Yeah. Back to the very, very beginning, which 
God help that episode, our first episode that we did. Oh man. <laughs> a year oh ago. man. But that ties into this uh this thing. One of the first recorded large pandemic plagues was the Antonine Plague that was around the year 165, lasted a few decades. The mortality rate is around two to three percent, which is typical for mm, these sorts mm-hmm. of diseases. Ten to eighteen million people died, affected the Roman Empire. Who was the emperor at that time? But Marcus Aurelius. So this is one of the things he's been dealing with in his meditations, which was the first episode that we read. We've already been there. (laughs) And one of the big takeaways is him and meditating and understanding like things like this have happened before. They'll happen again. But this was something that he dealt with throughout his entire rule was his empire under some sort of pandemic where people are dying through some sort of a plague or whatnot. Yeah, I've never, I've never, and we've, we've covered that and I've never hardly really considered, I'm just, this is, that's the thing. We've, <laughs> we've never been forced to consider a pandemic, a, a plague, a, 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 we've never done this. Yeah. Um, and, and we really were at a point where we thought it wasn't possible. That's just the, the fascinating thing about where we find ourselves now. And it's the beautiful thing about actually just getting a little bit of a sub- sober reality check about where we stand in the natural world. Yeah. I read a huge article by this guy, which I'll post a link to. His name is Frank Snowden, and he had just come out with a book Snowden? last year. Yeah. <laughs> he had just come out with a book called Epidemics and Society. And one of the big things that he speaks to in this through the arts and just through history that has affected people in these cases, and hopefully you'll see like, this ain't new. You yeah. know? This has happened before. The, the plague itself obviously killed half of Europe, yeah. took 200 years yeah. to get the population back up to speed. What are the what I again? I don't know what was the plague. You know what? How did that affect you? Yeah. How did that? How did that work? Yeah. So the plague is not a virus; it is a bacteria. And the re and it, the the may everybody knows about the rats and the fleas and whatnot. Yeah. And yeah so yeah. that's what caused the bubonic plague, and that's the most common form. And the bacteria infects your lymphatic system, which is part of the immune system. And that's why you have all the pus and the the nodes and the enlarged grossness in that. And then if it it doesn't get fixed from there, it moves on to your blood and then your lungs. Uh. And usually people thought it was the rats, but it was the bites of the fleas from the rats that carried the bacteria. I wonder how long it actually took to figure that out. Yeah. At, at that time, oh my God. I right. mean, in the era of, of basically magic, in the era of science, <laughs> we're a year and a half away from a vaccine for the coronavirus. Yeah. At that time, there's nothing coming to save you. You've just got to figure out how does it work? How do we get on top of it? I yeah. can't, I mean, imagine trying to figure that, imagine the fear involved with that. I mean, we, we're flying blind in terms of not knowing exactly how far spread, how many cases there are, mm-hmm. the, not knowing who has it when you don't, when you do. We're not flying blind in terms of being able to figure it out. So again, just another another adjustment of just how to view it how, and where we, we know exa- sit on yeah. the precipice of humanity, uh, the, the human history. Yeah, it's like we have all of this behind us, and all of these experiences have now led to here. Yeah, we will use everything like this instance in human history to help get us over this hurdle. Yeah, one of the big things that happened with another thing that we just hear about but don't know about yellow fever Mm, yeah was big in uh colonial times and transmitting across continents 
and a huge part of it was involved in the slave trade oh, and affected man. slaves. Yeah. The positive side, since that's what I'm about in bringing into this, is like on a turnaround when slaves revolted and were trying to come back against Napoleon and whatnot. Yeah. They had immunity, and it completely destroyed Napoleon's arm armies. Whoa! So you've heard the name maybe Toussaint out. Yeah, Toussaint Louverture, who is responsible for the Haitian rebellion. Napoleon basically failed because of yellow fever towards his troops, and they backed out. Oh my god! And so ha Haiti became an independent place, and then that also France was completely like unable to handle themselves in America, and that immediately then allowed. They had to sell, so they sold the Louisiana Purchase to Thomas Jefferson. Wow. And that's what got them out of oh my God. America and the island nations there, was because of yellow fever. It's incredible. Yeah. I did not know that. I mm -hmm. did not. I, uh, there are part, You telling that, I'm like, I've heard part of that. I've heard some of it. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> what just that know. puts up to that. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Wow, I didn't. Yellow fever, man. Yeah. The, uh, the last bit in terms of... Uh, diseases that we we learn about is tuberculosis mm -hmm. which was big during the romantic period that's still that thing is still scary mm -hmm. that 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 is that's something that even in my parent i'm still like every once in a while i'm being like you never know <laughs> like it's still that is that is such a scary disease that mm -hmm. is still out that's you can still get it it yeah. is yeah uh in the romantic period though this is the probably the last time that a disease was revered because it was apparently a disease of the beautiful and the refined and because mm. of the beauty and culture standards at the time it like would be my disease like, <laughs> mm. it made you extremely <laughs> pale and white and slender and i love my color right now just... <laughs> but a lot of the models of the time for painting and photography or not photo but for painting and sculpture and whatnot were tuberculosis patients mm. and God, victor so victor hugo who was a great writer of the time he was told and there's this is in writing by his friends like he his one great fault in his writing that he was not tuberculous like he was never as great as he could be because he never had the disease oh it was God. like a disease of the opulent and the wealthy and the refined i'm not good enough to get tuberculosis <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So bizarre. Oh my God. But it's reflected in the artwork of the time. Then, obviously, after this, they realize that it's germ theory and that completely stigmatizes the poor because it's like, oh, it's dirty and gross. And uh, who has uh, that but the poor and underprivileged and whatnot? Not the wealthy uh, and refined. Tables do turn. <laughs> that's probably the last time that a beautiful disease would ever exist. Maybe that'll be my biography a beautiful disease. <laughs> <laughs> My life. <laughs> a beautiful, a beautiful disease. The last thing I had, which hopefully maybe we'll see something uh, coming to it in the next month and oddly timing in with things because books about plagues and whatnot, just like you see contagion and outbreak yeah. coming to the forefront. But there's this other guy, Lawrence Wright, who is a Pulitzer Prize winner, National Book Award winner. He is a guy who wrote the screenplay the Siege, which came out in 1998, and it is a thriller about a terrorist attack on New York City that then causes a cultural divide and the mm -hmm. roundup of Arab Americans. Mm. Came out in 1998. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He had been writing- That is eerie. He had been writing a book for years, presumably, because that's how long it takes, and it's coming out in April of this year scheduled. It's called The End of October, and it is about a virus- pandemic that sweeps across 
Oh, wow. the world. Oh man, um, they're printing that right now. Yeah, so it's well, going to be out next. in the factory. Yeah, <laughs> but that that had already been written and wow. eerily similar, and is going to be coming out next month. Kind of want to buddy up to him and be like, "So what are you, what are you thinking about now? <laughs> what do you think about writing about next? <laughs> yeah. huh? Any uh, any preview? Any kind of like I don't know. You got any ideas? Yeah. What's going to happen? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's why I do this show. I love, I mean, it is. And he wrote a book now. <laughs> God, and here he is. We're, it's going to be coming out while everybody's in quarantine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically. That's going to be yeah. amazing. Speaking of quarantine, this is my last little fact, and then we can we can talk about the hope on the future oh, yeah. as this extends. But quarantine is a term you're hearing about forever now <laughs> because we're in it. People joking about it. Yeah. The Day his- two of quarantine ate all my <laughs> snacks. Yeah. <laughs> The historical side of this, 14th century, plague. Uh, they were they knew something was going on. They were trying to figure out what was going on. So they knew it was coming in from ships on the coast. They got to that far mm-hmm. of a place. So the ships in Venice would have to anchor out for 40 days before they were allowed into the ports. The term quaranta giorni is Italian for 40 days. So that is what the word quarantine comes from, is that phrase, which was when the ships during the plague had to anchor off for 40 days. Wow. So when you're actually saying quarantine, you're saying essentially 40 days in Italian. That's really cool. Yeah. I did not know that. That mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. For the future. We're in it together, man. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing in ways that this is going to force us to think differently. A good a good sober breath of fresh air to go this is what's important these are the priorities this right now this this epidemic this pandemic is is exemplifying all over the world the shortcomings in basically every social system that exists yeah education um, can't go to school anymore well what does it mean to you that's How much just does it that's cost? the first thing to hit that's the first <laughs> thing to hit they close the schools well suddenly you have a lot of kids not eating and you yeah. have a lot of parents not knowing who's actually watching their children that's just the tip of the iceberg i mean that is like the first thing <laughs> to happen that is and it's just a sliding scale from there and the ways in which our daily life uh workforce deliveries yeah, yeah. <sighs> We're right now, Los Angeles is kind of on this increasing basis of more and more businesses closing, less people on the street. There are still people on the street. We're still going down to the beach and things like that. But those things are starting to dwindle. And if things continue that direction, we could be looking at uh, more inside time than anything else over the next couple Mm -hmm. months here. But that is going to offer such an opportunity to reflect and and assess where we are, and I mean everybody, not just you, me, yeah, uh, you know, people working at the. Rest. I mean, the, the entire government right now is working around the clock right now. Politicians you would have never expected to hear saying, "We got to send checks to Americans right now." <laughs> right. That's that is how far the pendulum is swinging, and that is a huge signal, and it has changed in a week. I do not know what this is going to look like in a week from now and a week from then. Yeah. All I can say is that you can't is, go back. You can't go back. And that's and that's another thing, too, is is now as we are forcing ourselves to change society to get a grip on this thing. Elements we that were in play, online education, delivery for groceries, somebody who thought, oh, I'll never get my groceries. You thought those were delivered. marginal things then? Yeah. No, it's going to be the way of life when we're out of quarantine, when we're done with all of this and Corona is, yeah. in, is in a freezer somewhere in Atlanta. 
the things that are changing upon us right now might be here to stay. And that might be a that that is an opportunity right. to make things right. Or there's a lack of opportunity that's gonna be awful. Like we're experiencing that lack of opportunity now in right. terms of work and money and everything, but in the grand scheme of things, there will be other oppor- there will always exactly. be other opportunities born from a change. I didn't write down the data, but I've heard over the weekend of how many great people did great things while they had to stay inside because of an event exactly like this. Mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible thinkers and incredible solutions and and, and pieces of material that otherwise wouldn't e- exist uh, that affect our daily zeitgeist and lexicon in every way came out of something kind of like this. So we all have an opportunity to respond and not react. Yes, there yeah. you go. That, yeah. it, that's such a great way. I'm so glad you said that. I'm sorry I stole it for you. Before <laughs> but I, I, I think that is the only way to look at this. Yes, I'm a little bit afraid of, of getting the virus. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm way more afraid of giving it to somebody. Yeah. But I am far more excited and hopeful about the ways in which we reassess our lives from here on out. This is, uh, again, I'm going to steal another thing that, that, that you told me before the show, but this could be the most major event to happen in our lifetime, save for another, another world war. Well, we don't want a world we war. We don't want a world war. I was, you know, I, I, all through last summer and, and, and all through 2016, the Trump, all of it, I've been thinking, how are we ever going to get on the same page? How are we ever going to actually realign p- person to person throughout this country and throughout the world? How is that possible? And I'm thinking in my mind at the time, I'm going, God, it can't, can't be another war. We cannot do that. We cannot do that. But what else has the power to actually bring us onto the same page? This could be that. This yeah. absolutely could be that. This is a unifier. This is an equalizer. And it's not a world war. And we Because it involves be every person. That. Yes. Yeah. Our lives are changing, but it is offering up a lot of opportunity if you think of it that way, if you think of it, if you think choose to think of it that way, that that's the only way. That's the only way that I that I can think about it. So yeah. we're in it with you. We're, <laughs> we're we'll be in quarantine. We're going to be doing little fires everywhere and everything else. That I mean, all, our our whole schedule has changed uh, as far as just like what's going to be coming out. But we're still doing the show, and we're now we're we're inside with you, and we're going to keep doing this show and keep showing you how we got where we are in everything yeah. so i'm i'm excited i'm excited for the future so let's let's just do this together reach out to us at illiterate pod on instagram if you're watching anything and would like us to cover it or if it's based hey, on something if we're stuck inside and things aren't coming out in theaters and stuff like that this might be an incredible opportunity to do a piece of material that we never thought we would do so yeah. get in touch with us uh let you know we can do something really cool while we're while we're all thinking about what can be done all right stay safe everybody respond don't Mm. react and we will catch you all next week